Hello everyone and welcome to episode 129 of Dominaria's Judgment. I am Ari Lax, here with uh, our modern stand-in from the field, I guess, uh, flying out to regional championship Denver in, what, a day, two days? Uh, Jarvis, you. Yo, what's up? Uh, it'll be two days for me. I don't really want to be in a cold place for longer than I have to. And I, I've been to this site many times over the past two decades or so. Is this the uh, wonderful uh, Grand Prix at the airport across the street from, like, the Chili's, the Applebee's, and the Arby's uh, side of Denver? And the first time I went there, there was a Sonic where I got drinks. That was uh, during War One Block Constructed, so that... Uh, oh. Yeah, it, it it's kind it, of a funny... That's where that was. It's kind of a funny story, but uh, suffice it to say, that was one of my first decent early finishes, although I did not make top eight of that tournament. But that that's yeah. that's a story for another day. Yeah, uh, my uh, my my recollection of the first time I was at that Denver venue was I had food poisoning and it was terrible. <laughs> but anyways, continuing onward, uh, we're gonna talk about a a good things happening there, which is playing modern in a highly competitive tournament at a time where modern's in a really weird place. Um, I know you've been testing a lot. Mm -hmm. I've been testing. I mean, I'm not playing in the tournament but i've been testing a decent amount just as sort of a um self-imposed challenge to learn how to yogmoth and i feel like i have done that and that's largely what we're going to be covering this episode is some of the details on uh what is currently the winningest deck in the format it feels like but uh i think we should probably start with modern as a whole i have some opinions about it uh <laughs> but i want to get your take on what's happening in the format like, where do you see the whole of Modern, um, as it feels like things have sort of settled out in the post-Fury metagame? It's kind of funny. I would actually describe this current Modern as the most stable Modern I've seen in a long time, for better or worse. Uh, I kind of think there's just a few decks that sort of beat each other up to some degree. Like, you know, Living End beats Rhinos, Rhinos beats Yogmoth, Yogmoth question mark, Living End. I don't know how that works. But I also think there might be room for exploits. I tried that with Seismic Assault. It, it didn't quite work out, but something in that vein, I kind of hope someone figures out something creative to uh, sort of break up the monotony, you know? Yeah, and we'll see this weekend. Um, the, the way I would describe it is uh, every deck is unplayable and bad, but also every deck is too good to beat. Um, and every deck has no good matchup, but also whenever you play against all of the decks, they like every single one of them beats you and it, none of it makes any sense. Um, and I think I, we were talking on stream while, uh, it was yesterday when we were playing with the Harlan Fear, uh, Rakdos Shadow deck, which was interesting, but has some like very obvious and blatant flaws, I think. Um, that like the root cause of this is a mix of a couple things where like, you like getting anything going in this format into like bowmaster and force of insert your choice of force and all the other like really powerful answers is tough um you can't really build any like kind of cohesive big strategy against that so you're like everyone is kind of stuck small ball but also every kind of small ball advantage is negated by like crashing footfalls and the one ring so there's no point in like getting small ball edges so every deck is built around like a couple big game-ending plays that aren't, like, 
reliable or like aren't redundant in a lot of ways and it just feels like every deck has like a 23 percent fail rate of doing anything relevant but also is just doing something so good that you can't just shrug that off uh mm -hmm. it's just really weird yeah it's, it's kind of funny um on paper what when i was first looking at the results from uh, ghent and brazil i really thought i could build a four color deck to exploit all of this then I thought about it some more, and I think the fundamental issue I have with the Omnath deck is that it doesn't even have, like, a nut draw anymore. You kind of just, you know, draw a few cards here and there, hope Omnath is good, gain for life here and there, and then, I I don't know, it, it was very weird to me the deck did well. I think, hypothetically and theoretically, it should not be doing well to me. Yeah, I don't think that deck is fundamentally very good uh it probably is worth slightly touching on like some of the stuff like the rakdos deck that uh harlan played that did well is sort of interesting to me in the sense that like we we played some of it and it was good but like also the deck <laughs> is just not fun like every single problem that is like a fundamental problem with the rakdos scam deck almost transfers to that deck yep. in every single yep. way like you aren't really you aren't going to be anything in the like yogmoth sphere of effects with that deck and like that kind of issue or like um it's just you have big creatures instead of fables and like that's just the edge that you're trying to take in the metagame i i think th well th there's some merit to the big creatures thing specifically versus rhinos because if you have a big enough creature they can't remove it which is i think part of the hypothetical basis for that deck and i think something that some other decks should try to adopt versus rhinos like if you're a mid-range deck that's struggling versus rhinos maybe you just like play tarmogoyf or something like that even though like i would say generally tarmogoyf is not a very good magic card by modern standards no not by a long shot and this is like very similar to the same cycle we've sort of seen with rhinos um for a fairly long time where like rhinos pops up and then the decks that are like I mean, Urza Saga was kind of the natural original one, and then there were some battles over, like, Force of Vigor in those spots, but, like, uh, Saga Jund beating the crap out of Rhinos at various points mm -hmm. in the format is a really good one to point to. Right. Uh, that Yeah, that kind of setup where, like, every single creature you have that is bigger than a 4-4 Trample makes the matchup that much better. Uh, Flame of Anor and, like, other cards can kind of fudge the numbers a little there, mm -hmm. um, but you if you have a... It's not just like they will lose to those cards the way they used to, but having a fundamentally good other plan is really well backed up by just having big stuff. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. Um, Matt Nass was trying Tarmogoyf in the subvert of his Yawgmoth deck. I'm not sure that's really the angle I want to take versus them as Yawgmoth person. We can, we can talk about that more later. Because I think it's just way too easy for them to save subtlety just for that card and just ignore everything else. Uh, for what it's worth... Those of you who don't know, uh, RC Denver is an open decklist tournament. So the games sort of play out very differently because I think if you're just like in a modern league or a modern challenge or something on MTGO, sometimes you keep hands that if you had known the matchup, you would never keep this hand. And it's like, it's night and day, you know? Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm kind of in the Hain camp of like, 
you generally, if a deck is that much better because a closed deck list sure. versus an open deck list, you probably shouldn't be playing it, especially in this oh. long and this big of a tournament. Yeah, yeah. Like, the people will just know what you're playing by the end. I, but yeah, it yeah. is a fundamental, tangible difference in the games that you are playing when you're well, I, play them. I totally agree with that. Um, it's more like the point, if I know I'm playing against Rhinos, I'm going to look for a different type of hand than if I'm playing against, like, Scam or, you know, um, Living End or something like that. Well, I guess yeah that there's just a few i would just mulligan differently i think and you know have my plan set from turn one instead of being slightly in the dark you know yeah yeah you don't have to keep like your multiple bowmaster hands if your opponent's just going to make some four fours but right. like in the dark maybe you do correct yeah so i i mean we see new decks popping up but i'm interested to see how they actually survive through like the long iterated tournament that is a two-day mm -hmm. thing in denver um i think that it's relatively easy to agree. i mean the deck to beat is either rhinos or yogmoth at this point right, right? like those yeah. are the two most winning decks and beating rhinos is like rhinos is uh easy mode you just like have some decisions about what instant spells you play on a given turn, but like overall, the deck is not like super. I don't want to say not super strategically deep, but your cards are all like three mana spells with a set effect, and you kill your opponent by making some four fours and they attack and they're big. Like it's not, uh, it's not micro intensive, you know. If you, you have a decision you make mm -hmm. your play every turn and you hope that's what's going on to, to be fair um i read uh marco del pivo's report from the rc also the person who top aided the pro tour with rhinos he actually did a few interesting things in the tournament that i think a lot of people wouldn't do such as realizing that he wanted to suspend a rhinos in turn one in the mirror and bottom his cascade spell because by the time his thing came off suspend, he could defend it with both Force of Negation and Mystical Dispute. Which is uh, kind of interesting to think about because I think a lot of people would not have done what he did and probably would have lost that game. So Yeah, and I think that uh, that Team Rhino's deep dive document was linked in our last episode right. show notes. Uh, it's a good read. Uh, this is, I don't, I feel like Marco has put out previous similar guys that have been mm -hmm. really good. So, yeah, good player to be listening to. Uh, I think it's more interesting to talk about Yawgmoth, which I know you put some decent amount of time into, and I know I have recently, because that is a deck that is uh, very fundamentally different than it has been previously mm -hmm. and is... Uh, it's weirdly micro intensive but the better you get at playing it the easier it is to play like the amount of worrying about micro you have to do reduces the more you just fundamentally understand what has changed and how the deck needs to act in this metagame or gets to act in this metagame uh definitely agree with you i actually spent a lot of time only playing against rhinos because i perceived that to be the hard matchup so i kind of just took my beatings in that matchup and tried to figure out what happens in the games i win in that matchup you know uh, I guess I played a little bit against, what's the other deck I played against a lot? Uh, oh, I played a bunch against Living End, and I don't know if you've had the same experience. 
I kind of think game one is not that good for Yakmoth in that matchup, but uh, I'm interested in your opinion there. No, I think that that's kind of the uh, public perception as well. And I again, we've talked about this on the pod, but it has a lot to do with the shift to like bigger creatures like Oliphant, mm-hmm. um, just making it a lot harder for Yawgmoth to stable. And also the Yawgmoth deck uh, cutting on undying creatures, so it's harder for them to build up a board state that survives Living End. Right. Mo- most of the games I won in that matchup actually devolved into me having Yawgmoth, Hapatra, like post Living End somehow, which is not very likely to happen, I think, most of the time. No, yeah. Well, uh, Soul Cauldron can be a proxy for Yawgmoth here, actually, for what it's worth. Yeah, I mean, there are games where you have Cauldron on the play and yeah. you get to, like, chip away at their graveyard and get a lot more time because of it, but that's not even an assurance that you're going to get out of everything great. Like, it's... They have a little bit of time to just, like, dump three cyclers on tap, dump another one or two, and just make three or four big things. It, it, it really is all fun uh, being the issue because it gives two big tramplers instead of one like big stupid that doesn't even have trample, you know? Yeah, it is uh, about a million power of trample if I did the math right. And that's more than the toughness of Yawgmoth's creatures. So I guess what, you know, we're talking about this specific matchup, but like in the broad sense... Uh, what has what's the difference between Yogmoth now and where Yogmoth was four months like where Yogmoth has been like the pre you no know, I'm not talking about like Garal's Messenger era but like sure. it is probably the most stark to understand the difference between like looking back at uh, I was thinking back to like the very very old Yogmoth list that had like four Garal's Messenger oh, and God. Strangleroot guys and Young or and Young Wolves way back in the day. Um, whereas this uh-huh. deck, like, the fifth Undying creature is up for debate across some lists. So, to me, the major reason I'm interested in the deck uh, in general is, I think, Wilds of Eldrain sort of pushed the deck in a much more powerful direction. Because I think I got the Soul Cauldron is just, well, on some board states, it just the game becomes very weird and hard for your opponent to do anything effective. Because if they kill your Yawgmoth, then all of your creatures with counters become Yawgmoths, etc., etc. The Grist Soul Cauldron loyalty thing is like completely mind-boggling to me that that works, but you know, good beats. Uh, it, it really, I would say Wild Veldrain pushed it to the next level for me personally. See, I almost have like a different opinion about how it's not soul cauldron that matters but mm-hmm. removing fury from the format is the biggest okay. thing for it sure not not because the deck was bad versus fury but it just like the way the deck would have to play against a fury previously was that having creatures on the battlefield was a liability and so you wanted to beat fury by producing material that was hard for them to remove with a fury which often meant a bunch of undying stuff and like a wall of roots and then from there, you would just snap combo them with Yawgmoth because those are the permanents you put into play. Whereas without Fury, like, it's it's kind of hard for them just to, like, deal with a bunch of random stuff. And you kind of come to this realization that um, when you play Yawgmoth and you control, like, four permanents that you can sacrifice to it, 
it doesn't like as long as the board looks remotely close it doesn't really matter whether those are like an actual combo loop or right. going to kill your opponent like yogmoth is pretty messed up and you can take care of most games just by activating yogmoth mm -hmm. so the game is a lot less about like i get undying creature one and undying creature two and have the ability to draw into quarter calling to get the blood artist and it's a lot more like uh i'm trying to think of like the the comparable combo deck it almost thinks like the other combo deck that's like yawgmoth adjacent like the heliod deck has a lot of the same elements where mm -hmm. you end up in a spot where every single turn you're making a play that makes your future combo turn effectively better like how that deck would have a heliod that you're previously you know before binding and ending couldn't really die and then you'd like have an Oriok champion if they didn't kill that it would take an extra kill spell to beat your combo because you get another counter on your spike feeder and like every single piece of material that you produce before the combo is something that your opponent needs to clear up to not have a catastrophic combo turn but if they do that they cannot beat the combo kill and eventually just like they lose the game because you have enough things uh that's kind of how yawgmoth has played out for me but like you just end up killing your opponent naturally so many more of the games than you used to be able to like without comboing mm -hmm. without really anything oh i i definitely agree with that i do think it has a lot to do with grist grist ultimate being a primary way you kill your opponent without comboing but also just a lot of chip damage games versus decks that don't actually kill you like i guess the the best example of that is like basically any sort of jund or rakdos style deck that just tries to remove all of your stuff i think you're actually eventually going to beat most of them uh because they don't have access to fury anymore just it's just like an incidental thing that's going to happen because you play out a bunch of creatures you cast your yawgmoth all of their stuff dies you have seven cards they have zero then what like what's the natural conclusion of that game them dying like very slowly but they'll still die you know yeah and the i think the murktide matchup is like really really telling on that front because it's so hard for them to gain early traction mm -hmm. uh against bowmasters that like the games basically come down to did one of their flying threats run away with it if not you're just gonna sort of bury them in cards eventually just like random assorted things I, um like this is yeah well the, it, maybe it's also comparable to like the the tarmo twin decks from back in the day except for instead of splinter twin being absolutely unplayable until you kill your opponent <laughs> uh your splinter twin is yawgmoth yeah, I I agree with you. Um, I I think one of the other things, specifically in the Murktide matchup, is a lot of the Murktide opponents I've talked to say Soul Cauldron is really frustrating for them to play against because most of their cards just don't work anymore. Like they don't have Delirium for their Unholy Heats, which means it's harder to remove Yogmoth. Uh, it's hard for them to stick a big Murktide versus you. Uh, like that that's not even counting the part where you use Soul Cauldron. It, for its intended purpose which is to pump your creatures you know yeah and i mean you get a lot of that same sort of splash heat effect through like a lot of the other cards in the deck you know being able to trim your undying creatures for just random assorted stuff because you'll just convert those into other cards to get to the undying combo if you need it like mm -hmm. that is mostly what bow masters is doing there and what uh grist is doing there and it's almost this like uh scam light gameplay where like instead of grief scam you have yog combo and mm -hmm. then instead of blood moon and dothy Voidwalker, you have these other assorted effects that are cutting off your opponent's ability to play 
a subset of the games or matchups. Yeah, I um, I remember having a game versus Murktide when I was playing Yogg on MDGO. Was, when turn one Halfling, it didn't die. I played Grist. It, that didn't die either. And on turn three, I played Shieldred, and my opponent just conceded the game because like none of their cards did anything. I had Grist, Shieldred, and it's clear they had no removal in their hand, you know? Yeah, uh, I I will say I do think the list a month or two ago had pushed a little too far on this aspect, mm -hmm. where, like, they were on zero Eldritch Evolutions and always maxed out on Bowmasters and had cut the one Strangle Root guys that's been popping back up, and, like, I don't think those decks were able to functionally kill their opponents uh, in games where your opponents gave you a window to combo, and you gotta you gotta keep a little respect, like make them really actually believe that you can win the game. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I'm unlikely to play two evolution. I think I'm gonna play one, but I think having at least the first copy to keep your opponent honest is pretty good. Um, also, it it works well for some of the cyber plans I have. Um, I guess we'll get to that later to have a, just an extra sort of tutor. Yeah, and. I I think that another thing too is that like you don't the old list would often double tutor for like this full combo kill of like two undying creatures and the blood artist and the Yogmoth, which is four things to set up. But I think that you're a lot more likely to just have these short kills now where like if you just assemble like undying creature plus blood artist plus Yogmoth plus assortment of things, your opponent will have taken a few chip shots of damage and then you sort of like uh to, to put it in boomer terms, Arcbound Ravager Disciple of Vaulting your opponent <laughs> yeah. out is good enough. Um, you had made a point yesterday when we were chatting about like how Soul Cauldron also creates a lot of these short combo kills. Uh, yeah, like, the, the card's just really messed up. I, I don't really know how to explain it. You just have to play with it a bunch, you know, have things happen, be like, oh, this is another way to kill my opponent. Like, pro proliferate, put a bunch of counters on my things, you know, like get my grist up to whatever via proliferation i don't it's just is kind of nonsensical you know yeah the the like producing counters that the yogmoth discard ability proliferates to make this giant army thing is actually fairly relevant um also like the you were saying the grist kills like even though they're bad with cauldron but like it's relatively common to give you know this is, again, one of those short kills where you give your creature the Yawgmoth abilities, and then you attack your opponent down, sack your board, and then proliferate your Grist that's just in play up to five and ultimate it. Um, mm -hmm. The the BB ability on Yawgmoth is getting a lot of activity these days. Yep, uh, definitely agree with you in that regard. Um, There's something I was going to say. Yeah, I don't... The, the mirrors are kind of messy, actually, but... I guess we can discuss that in a bit yeah. as well. <laughs> we can get to that. The uh, the other thing that I kind of noticed being a lot more important are the Hapatra loops. Like, oh, yeah. Yep. Because, because the format has just gotten so much more fair and there's just a lot more board presence, um, the ability to Hapatra loop and kill your opponent's creatures is really, really powerful. Just like the, the Plague Wind mode. I definitely agree with you. And in fact, the way I realized that my head was i'm like oh hapatra secretly the tabernacle of yogmoth <laughs> oh. you would what well, you would tell me i'm wrong it's the literally the creature that lets you kill all of their creatures yeah you're not wrong uh 
the like there's a lot of also like awesome things about Hapatra. Like I have I have enjoyed laundering my orc army tokens into green creatures for cord. Oh, just cool. like a lot of weird yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um and I guess one other like small thing before we start talking about specific matchups and stuff is that uh I feel like this latest these latest builds have been a lot more flexible than old lists of Yawgmoth in terms of like you are allowed to trim or side out a lot of the core combo components because you've offloaded the burden of I have to combo in this specific manner of looping two undying creatures with the blood artist to like a lot of short kills or things like that. Like trimming young wolves or gris or walls or blood artists is less offensive. Wall might just be a me thing, but like I think that uh, most of the cards in the deck feel negotiable in certain matchups. Like, I don't feel bad when I have to trim down on cords or evos against Murktide. It's just like, mm -hmm. okay, I'll just play my cards. It's fine. I, uh, I would say I, I do think a lot of that is due to Soul Cauldron. Frankly, letting you like operate as sort of like a weird Golgari mid range deck for some like you, you have the capability to just clean up their graveyard pretty easy. Well, not in a fast way, but it's disruptive enough with the Cauldron that you get to do your other stuff while not being killed by a Murktide is how I would put it. Yeah, and I mean, the graveyard stuff does come up in a decent number of other matchups as mm -hmm. well. Like, it's... Cauldron just, like, does a lot, but then also falls under the same category of, like, you don't need to cauldron some of your opponents. Like, I don't mm -hmm. really know if I like a large number of cauldrons against rhinos. So you can just take them out of your deck, and the rest of your deck is still functional. I'll give you a hint. The current plan I have is to have zero of that card in versus rhinos post-board. Yeah, and I I guess before we talk about matchups, uh, where are you at with the current list? Like, okay, here some of the things that I've adjusted mm -hmm. back personally is, like, I like Ignoble Hierarch in some quantity. Agreed. Um, yeah. I like... I am not committed to four Bowmasters, but I sort of default to four, but wouldn't mind going down to three. Um, I definitely want the Evo. I definitely have really liked Strangleroot Geist. Mm -hmm. um, and then all the other, like, random one-of creatures I can give or take, whether I'm playing a Fulminator, Shouldered, or Endurance, I don't really feel like any of that kind of package is super required. So what I'm doing a little bit is, obviously, a metagame call. Uh I'm playing the, you know, 22 lands, one's a Dry Darper. I think I actually might play one of the Black-Green um, Surveil land and a 5th Fetch. I'm not going to play Colony Garden. I'm not going to play 3rd Twilight Mire. Uh, I, I think you have to play Dry Darper. It's just not negotiable. And adding a Green Fetch actually makes that better as well. Uh, so that's, yeah. that, that's the mana base. Uh, you, you have to play Pendle even, I think. It's just, I think it's... Yep. It, it does too much. I've gone back and forth. Do you like on... the? Sorry. I was gonna say Colony Garden. No, I don't. You felt good about that card. Okay. I I axed it almost immediately. I'm just like this. the The first time I axed it was I put Colony Garden on the stack. My opponent on Hoi heated another creature, and I was stuck with this court of calling I couldn't cast. If it had just been a normal land, I would have just courted and like basically won the game on the spot. <laughs> frankly, um, uh, so those twenty two lands, five fetches, one mortuary. The, the Black Green Surveil land from the new set. Uh, th those lands are pretty strong. I think most... Well, a reason why on deck should play one, especially Rhinos, uh, 
But I, I would not be surprised to see by the end of this season that basically every good modern deck has one if they have fetch lands in, in their deck. Yeah, I have not gotten a chance to play with them, but I would not be it, shocked. It's really messed up, especially in Rhinos, because Rhinos just waste mana frequently on their early turns, you know? Like, you... <laughs> <laughs> almost like their deck is designed like that. But uh, Yeah, it will, almost like they have a deck-building restriction that prevents them from playing cards that cost one mana. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play 22 lands. Uh, I, I think, actually, basically every Yawgmoth deck I looked at had 22 by this point, including the Dry Darver. So that's good. That's... Uh, you know, I guess hive hive mine iteration. Uh, I do agree with you. I'm playing six one drop Mandor. Or is it six? I have four halfling. Uh, two you have one uh, or two ignobles. Uh, one or two what? How many ignobles and do you play goose? I'm not playing goose. I think it 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 did not make sense I, to me, frankly. Like I, goose has been horrible. I do not yeah. like that card. I people are like you can put it under a culture. I'm like that. I don't care about that. Like, that that doesn't matter. So I, I have two Ignoble. Uh, I have four Wall of Roots. Currently, I have four Bowmaster. Blood Artist. I don't know if Blood Artist's Cutthroat is better. I suspect Artist is better because of Yogg Mirrors, frankly. Um, well, I, I agree on Blood Artist being better. I think that the one ring thing where, like, you need to kill your opponent right now is pretty overstated. Mm-hmm. And I have had the getting life off of your opponent's creatures dying on these short combo or Hapatra setups. Yeah, would be really nice. Yeah, exactly. Like, that blood, if you yeah. just have blood artist Hapatra Yogmoth, your opponent dies. Like it's just over. Yeah, and I, like that is mm-hmm. uh, like the little bonus shots do count there. I agree with you. Um, I'm going to play Shieldred. The one card that I might play in my main deck that I don't see other people doing, but I think it's just a metagame call, is playing main deck scavenging use. Um. That's because I just expect a lot of Yawgmoth and Living End as an uptick versus Rhinos. I don't know how you feel about that, though. Yeah, I don't... Does that card actually beat Living End, though? Well, I mean, like... like, like you're it, describing a card that is technically acceptable versus Living End, but I, I have a long history of watching Living End defeat that card. So I guess the other question is, should I just play Soulless Jailer in my main deck? Is that really that crazy? Uh, I, I think it sort of is because okay. of like the card has some issues with your own cards, right? Uh, that is true. Yeah, I guess maybe I just won't play a card like that. <laughs> you just like aren't legally allowed to cast it in a normal game of Magic against opponents who are not Cascade. Oh, uh, you appear to be. Oh, actually. So it's okay as long as they don't try to undying combo. Which I guess is an issue. Okay. Alright. I would call that an Alright, I'm I'm off it. Thank you for pointing this out. Um okay, good. So I good. to to answer the other questions, I think I will definitely have sideboard Fulminar Mage. I will definitely have one Maelstrom Pulse, one Legion's End. Um so the one thing that's different about my deck is I have three Bosage in my mana base. So even if my opponent's sighting in Curse Totem, and I they're playing a deck they might not want to naturalize against, I have a lot of answers to Curse Totem in my mana base as it is. Yeah, I think that the, there were two things that you touched on there about the sideboard that are worth bringing up as like new mm-hmm. issue, additions or issues. One is the like Legion's End Maelstrom Pulse tech to beat Rhinos because it destroys Rhino Token and other token also named Rhino Token. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I think those cards have just been good across the board and worth playing, and I'm pretty happy with them existing. I don't think it's like just a Rhinos thing. It's just you play against yep. decks that have creatures that you would like to target with them, and you're pretty happy with it. Uh, Legion's End is just a pretty pretty good magic card. Um, the Boseju thing is a discussion of like, how do you beat Curse Totem? Because I think that so far, like this is a big thing about Curse Totem in general, is that mm-hmm. I think so far people have put Curse Totem in decks that are a bad versus Yawgmoth and b bad versus Reclamation Sage at the same time. Like it's in all these amulet lists or whatever. And it's just like, I'm mm-hmm. going to side in my Rex Sage anyways. And people play against it. And they don't understand that, like, what is actually going to happen in a tournament of, like, successful opponents is that it's not just going to be those people who have it because, like, they're trying to turn their, like, 42% matchup into a 45% matchup. Um, mm-hmm. What's going to happen is if Yawgmoth is actually scary, uh, your opponents who are just, like, playing other decks will put Curse Totem into their deck and they will have, like two cursed totems in their murktide sideboard and you'll just be like well uh i don't really want any of these wreck sages exactly. against my normal murktide draws and then you die x percent of the time uh whereas if you just have Bosage, it kind of fixes the whole problem for you don't worry about it so i got the three Bosajian Bosage idea from uh Tris- tristan dick jwl uh obviously that's uh tristan wild love irl and uh I, th- I think it's just smart deck building because of the exact factor you mentioned i think the totem answer being in your mana base means i don't have to side and naturalize versus a deck where i just don't want naturalize you know yeah it and you can do things like switch around like maybe you do not you know are you're saying you have three most ages main or any of them in the sideboard it's main okay i with the pendlehaven and the arbor that feels somewhat excessive but at the same time, mm-hmm. I sort of also feel like moving one to the board and just letting you like swap out like the Dryad Arbor if you don't want it is kind of nice. Because like Arbor is sort of medium versus Murktide, even if Arbor in general is like really powerful and like, f- I don't know, the games where you just like fetch Arbor and then it ends up in your graveyard and then you exile it to Soul Cauldron are pretty messed up. Well, have you had the other thing happen where you have Yawgmoth in your graveyard you fetch up Dried Arbor, activate Soul Cauldron, and then all of their stuff is dead. Wait, what? <laughs> no, so you just get the counter onto your Dried Arbor. Oh! By Soul Cauldron, and then all of their stuff dies because you have the rest of the setup, but you just need another creature. Because oh, I was, other like, I was trying to figure out if there, there was something besides, like, this is just a creature you can fetch for, but no. No, it's literally just a creature you can fetch for, which... Like, I, that's happened to me a few times where I'm like, oh, I can get Drydar Bird, then all of their stuff is dead because I don't want to, like, put the counter on my undying creatures. Oh, no, yeah, you know? yeah, that all checks out. Okay. Yeah, so, individual matchups. Uh, you said you have bashed your head into the Rhinos matchup for an unlimited yeah. number of hours. Uh, what have yeah. you come away with besides uh, brain damage? Well, I... Yes, my head hurts a lot, <laughs> is what I would say. I think, yeah, it's still a bad matchup, but it's not as bad as it used to be. Uh, a lot of the games you win versus them are they have like kind of a mediocre hand. Maybe they miss their third land drop for a turn. Um, maybe, you know, like you establish a grist 
you know, on turn two, and then, like, stuff kind of falls apart. I've won a few games with Uncounterable Shieldred, but, like, obviously the fact that it's Uncounterable doesn't even matter because the way they interact with creatures are Flame of Anor or Subtlety, so that doesn't really matter that much. I think generally in game one you're hoping they hit their fail case and don't have an excellent hand. I think you died to basically all of their good hands in game one, so it's not a big deal. Yeah, that's been kind of my impression. Like, not just, like, their literal fail rate, but their deck is a million cards that cost fucking three. Like, yep. some amount of their hands are their worst hands, and those overlap. Like, their worst hands are beatable by your average, and your best hands can beat their average. Mm -hmm. You just don't beat the hands where they're like, I've got Dead Gone, Flame of an Orange, Two Cascaders. And you're like, yeah, we're, we're done. Move on. Next game. Agreed. Um, I think the post-board games get more interesting, depending on how your sideboards... Uh, configured. I have Necroplasm, Maelstrom Pulse, the Legion's End, uh, and Soul Shield that I'm siding in. So yeah. I, I, I finally axed Thoughtseize from my sideboard when I just realized I didn't want Thoughtseize versus anyone. Like, it's just kind of not how Yawgmoth really wants to do things, I think. They're okay, but I'm not... Like, they kind of just, like, fill slots when you bring them in. They're not doing anything specific. I... Did you did I miss you saying you had a chalice in there? Because I have not liked chalice. Oh yes. I do have chalice. I'm willing to be convinced it's bad. I, I don't know how to feel about it. It's kind of weird, you know? Yeah, my issue has largely been that like because one of their cards is Flame of an Ore and that card is just mm -hmm. good against you in general, uh every single card that you are going to sideboard in that is an artifact or a creature that directly hates out their cascade is just a road bump along the way. And it's just something mm -hmm. that, like, forces their hand to be, to have a thing. It doesn't actually win the game. It just moves the margin on, like, what percentile of their hands is playable or beat you. And I'm not, like, the most impressed with it. Yeah. One of the issues I have is I don't think I'm going to cut them because I really want them versus Living End because Living End doesn't have as much protection versus chalice as rhinos does i would say generally speaking um, yeah well living in also it, is stopping like if they th like they don't have the hands where they have like two pieces of interaction sure. like they just can't they can't have the same thing where they have two pieces of right. interaction the shatter and a living end because they also need all the cyclers along the way yeah the the, the decks are very different but i kind of just want a card that is pretty good versus both of them. The problem I have with Chalices, I think it's pretty worthless, basically, versus the rest of the metagame. I don't even want it versus Amulet Titan, really, because I don't really think cutting off their packs really matters very much. It's technically a thing, but I don't think it's worth a card because your deck gets mm -hmm. that much worse when you are down a card. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah i uh i agree with you in that spot and you're not like slamming it on one against anybody because a lot of the like that is a play you make against fair decks and you you beat those decks mm -hmm. yeah i yeah i think overall i would not say the matchup is like you said it's not good but like pre previously the matchup was just like if you won a game that was something you just like put on your wall as a trophy and now it's like, yeah, I think that 40% of the time, if you told me the good Yawgmoth player beat a Rhinos player, I would not be shocked. If they, like, 3-0'd it in a tournament, I'd be really impressed to, like, make top 8. I'd be like, whoa, you are, like, either very good, very lucky, or both. But, like, 
if someone's Yawgmoth report is like, yeah, I went 1-1 against Rhinos on my way to go, uh, you know, X2 into top 8 of the RC, I'd be like, yeah, that that's totally normal. Yeah, I, I think that would be expected and normal. And probably has a lot to do with Rhinos just missing a beat in one of those games, you know? Yeah, I mean, when we talk about, like, every deck is bad, the, like, Rhinos hands that are just, like, a Tidebinder, a Flame... A single cascade spell, uh, three lands and a footfalls are the exact hands I'm thinking of. Where it's just like my Merc's opponent countered the spell and I died. I didn't get to cast anything, and then I played my cascade spell and then I died. So this is why I know one Andrew Ellenbogen keeps trying to push for more sur surveillance in Rhinos because the deck really does not work unless if you really smooth out the draw somehow and. His solution is to just jam a bunch of surveillance into it. But what I will you, say, I think I I don't think that helps because you still you're like <laughs> scrying and then not taking game actions, and then you still just have uh, a handful of freaking three drops. I think the solution for rhinos is that you need to figure out the exact number of dismembers you can get away with. Oh, I agree with that. I I think Marco changing the first dead gone to the first or the fourth dead gone to the first dismember was actually pretty smart. I wouldn't be surprised if it was just correct to shave back on some of it. There are so many fucking threes in the deck. Can we just, like, play more ones instead? They've been trying. They've been trying to cut them. But they, they're they not quite getting... I don't know. They're trying. Mm. Yeah, it's... uh Again, Rhinos, I think, is... uh, It's just the peak of the deck doesn't work, but also isn't beatable. But Ryogmoth, like... It wins enough because the deck doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so next deck on the list. What do you want to talk about next in terms of matchups? Uh, I think, technically oh. speaking, the, sec the second most popular deck will be Yawgmoth as well, so... Okay. So to rewind real quick, is there anything weird besides cutting all your cauldrons against Rhinos and sideboarding that you're doing? Anything like... I think I like trimming a Young Wolf because it's relatively low impact, but... Mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's anything no, too crazy. I, I think it's pretty straightforward. Like, you look at your Yawgmoth sideboard, it's very clear what cards are good versus Rhinos and what cards are not so good versus Rhinos in your main deck. Um, I, I think if I had a second Shieldred like Tommy did for the Mox, I would side it in, but I'd, I, th I came to the conclusion that playing the second Shieldred didn't really vibe with me, and I, I don't know, it, it was just kind of not a good use of a slot, I think. Well, you see, it's another card that costs four in your deck that already has five cards that cost four. Right. Okay, good. Just checking that that's the problem. We're talking about a deck. How about this deck cuts some three drops, and you're just like, what if my deck added more four drops? <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, so Yawgmoth Mirror. Uh, let's talk about uh. this mess. Yeah, this... Okay, well, a few things. <laughs> If one person has Yawgmoth and the other person doesn't really do anything about it, the game ends. It's it's not really a question. I think that's uh, pretty normal and does happen like a reasonable amount of the time. Not like every game, obviously, but probably like, let's say like... So like I, the example I'm thinking of is I'm on the draw. I play a Mana Dork on one. My opponent plays Wall Roots on two. On turn three, I on my turn two, I play something else. On th turn three, they play Yawgmoth like, make a, another creature off their wall fruits or whatever and kill my um, mana dork, I just can never win that game. I think it's just, it's actually over. Um, 
grist managing their grists also comes up and then like when both people have yogmoth but don't have a lot of stuff to work with i i don't know the games just get weird i mean this I, is the this is the like you're literally describing a different matchup but you just replace yogmoth with the one ring and yogmoth with four color where it's like yeah well a quarter of the game someone has like half of the games someone has a ring unanswered half of the time half of that time it's you half of the time it's them it's the other 50% where no one knows what's going on. Okay, oh, I, I forgot to mention, the reason it's so weird is Yogmoth literally cannot target Yogmoth. That's why it's kind of weird and bizarre a lot of the time. Yeah, now, if you manage to get your... If you actually manage to get your Yogmoth under a cauldron and you have a bunch of creatures with counters, then you can kill their Yogmoth. Yeah. So, I'm, it, it's just... I don't know. It's just kind of a mess... Uh, I will say, I think keeping a hand without a Mandork on one or two is just not allowed. I think that's just a good way to lose a lot of games. Yeah, being out, like being faster is really important because your Yogmoth kills their mana. Um, yeah, I, I will say I am a bit scared, specifically in that matchup, having uh, Ignoble Hierarch instead of uh, Goaded Goose, because if it gets Bowmastered on two, it is kind of a disaster, but... That's my bet. I've I've made it. I've made that. I've made my peace with it. <laughs> yeah, I. So I do want to point out one weird interaction with Bowmasters, which double check me on this if I'm wrong. But if, uh, if there is a damage on your young wolf from a Bowmasters and it had an undying counter on it, and then it gets a minus one minus one counter on it, I believe it still dies with the counters not canceling out and doesn't come back. Correct. Yeah. That's. That's just correct, yeah. Yeah, so uh, don't run into that. It really shouldn't mm -hmm. be the thing that ends games, but it, it can come up. Just like a weird thing that would just be like, why is my young wolf still in the graveyard? What happened with my life? Oh, and one other note for the people playing this deck RL. You can Wall of Roots plus Quarter Calling with a Wall of Roots as an 01 going to 00. It works IRL, I promise you. <laughs> yes, that... This is a, a fundamental <laughs> bug with the Magic Online rules engine that just cannot be fixed and has not been fixed for eight years. I can tell you exactly when it happened. It happened right after Pro Tour Oath of the Gatewatch. It became bugged. Oh, I know. I was eight years. Literally eight years. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I will say a few people have been invading and trying things out in the sideboard. I'm not sure how many of them are effective. I saw uh, Dupra had Muller Silvok Outcast in his sideboard, which theoretically what that should do is prevent all of your creatures from dying to their Yogmoth. Then you realize, well, they still have a bunch of Gris. It they might not leave all of the Gris in. I I don't know how other people are sideboarding, but it's not like a two-two for two is like completely unbeatable in the mirror, you know. Yeah, I think you can name, like, a million other cards uh, that do a similar... Like, even Shouldred, or the other card I've uh, heard floated is Linvala Indrana, which cuts off activated abilities. And, like, it doesn't really matter what cards you name, because they're all just, like, a creature that dies to a removal spell that your opponent is probably going to have in their deck. Yeah, I mean, my plan is to side in at least the Legion Zens in the mirror. Uh, perhaps a Maelstrom Pulse as well, although I'm less sure about that one. Yeah, that I'm... Well, okay, do you actually want Maelstrom Pulse in the matchup where your cards are the same name as your opponent's cards? 
Did you forget that this was a card mm. from before, like, 2018 that actually did well, it wrong? I did not forget that. I was just thinking of the idea that it like it's just board based on whether you want to cast this pulse, pulse or not. This like, sa- this sounds like too much playing around your own cards in a matchup okay, where you're being sure. forced maybe, to go as aggressive as possible. Maybe I don't want to do that, but I think Legion's End is a pretty easy slam because if you ever catch like multiple young wolves, it it, it actually does mess them up a reasonable amount. Yeah, the game ends. Uh, like, if you ever kill two cards with the same Legion's End, the game should end. Uh, is there anything weird about the mirror in terms of how you would sideboard? I don't really think so. I think it's just, like, no. cut the floater cards that are not actually functioning against the combo and just shove all in on Yogs. Well, I mean, I guess my question for you, is Shieldred one of the floater cards that shouldn't be in? I don't think so. I think it's just really hard for your opponent to activate Yogmoth yeah. with a Shieldred in play. Okay, that that was my instinct as well. I wasn't sure, and I'm still not sure, because a lot of people... I've looked at a lot of sideboard guides. People do not really agree what is supposed to happen, I, I feel like. Uh, I think the sideboard guides I have seen for this deck generally just don't agree on reality across the scale, but maybe this is the <laughs> biggest example of that. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so, I don't know. I, I'm just going to hope in those mirrors that a i win the die roll b i have a good hand on the play and see that um i don't know <laughs> there's a lot of mulligan in yawgmoth maybe my opponents will just mulligan a little bit more than me <laughs> yeah it is this deck is weird and like you're talking about like oh 22 lands and like trying to make sure you stay at 22 but it also has a billion freaking mana dorks in it like mana dorks yeah. yeah you're you're like a 31 mana source deck that also has mm-hmm. like like a very limited number of threats like this is again another example of how the decks in modern are simultaneously overpowered and non-functional it really does have a little bit of ramp disease to it i think this is the best way of putting it yes a, a classic uh favorite term of the hands that are just like all lands no gas your one threat gets killed and all you can draw is more lands mm-hmm. yeah so after Yogmoth and Rhinos, which we said are probably the top two decks, I think that brings us to the like the grouping of Murktide and Scam, which I think mm-hmm. both have the same fundamental problem against Yogmoth, which is you can't kill all the things and then you die. I think for Scam, it so I I'll explain really quickly. I thought Yogmoth was a good matchup for Scam pre Fury for obvious reasons. AK they could never beat a Scammed Fury, so the game just ended. Now I think the opposite is true. What happens is Yogmoth knows they can just play everything out. Oh, cool, you have a Dothy Voidwalker. I don't care. Yogmoth, kill the Voidwalker, carry on, all of your other stuff is dead. Now you're dead. Yeah, it I don't think Voidwalker is as scary without the threat of like your entire Fury, board yeah. disappearing under the Voidwalker at any given time. Yeah, exactly. The like now Yogmoth just gets to play everything out, and I think Usually what happens is a top decked Yogg draws enough resources to win the game, essentially. Yeah, and like, yeah, I mean, a Voidwalker just straight up is not beating a Yogmoth head-to-head. Like, that's just, that's just not happening. It's like, the deck used to be able to manage the fact that the Yogmoth wouldn't really matter. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it's not gonna happen 
if your opponent just gets to have material on the battlefield. So we've described the One Ring as Necropotence. Is Yawgmoth just Necropotent as well? Uh, no. I think you're not generating cards out of nowhere. That's the difference. Okay, fair. Yeah. You're just converting just... low-value resources into other resources. It's a... Uh... You know what? Any reference I would make is too boomer. It's not the point. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, yeah uh, I, 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 I actively want to be paired versus Scam, I think. Barring their top-end draw, which, you know, like, Double Grief will still beat you sometimes because of the ramp disease thing, but... Um, Merktide, I think, is a little harder than Scam, mostly because the other thing they started doing was playing a lot of Stern Scoldings, which I'm not thrilled about. But I think fundamentally, you're still relatively happy to play against them. Yeah, I think that the their normal hand... It's sort of like the inverse of the Rhinos matchup, where like their mm. best hands can beat some of your average hands, and your fail cases just like fumble the bag against their entire deck. But on average, you should beat them by tearing apart their one drops and Merktides pretty easily. I have like I have lost some weird ones where like my deck just doesn't function one game, and then they just have two expressive iterations and counter all of my stuff and like get to land a Merktide, but I don't think that's the norm. No, I I would say generally that this is another matchup where I like siding in Maelstrom Pulse and Go for the Throat if you have in your sideboard. Just because I think having more answers to Merc is actually pretty valuable. I think basically all the games you lose look like Merktide beating you down, essentially. Yeah, Go for the Throat was one of the better sideboard cards in this matchup. Just because it kills any other stuff. And unlike Maelstrom Pulse, it's not like randomly inefficient if they have a 3-3 DRC. Right. Yeah. I'm... Yeah, I don't really think... Oh, the one thing I do want to point out in this matchup is that... Um, when you are on the draw, like if they just don't play anything on turn one on the play, you often don't want to play your mana dork into that. If you can play a young wolf instead, just because it's just like, Oh, what did they keep without a one drop? It has a lightning bolt. They're just going to kill the mana dork. So like you play the thing that doesn't die. Uh, and this kind of goes into a slight sub point I have about, how I sideboard in the matchup where I think that people like to shave young wolf in this matchup because it's a low impact card in a matchup that punishes you for the low impact hands you have. But at the same time, I don't think you're legally allowed to do that on the draw just because of how important it is to have the answer to Raghavan and a decent play into their turn one lightning bolt. Like, I don't I know agree with you totally. I don't know like, what I... hand they have when they're on the play that they keep where turn one young wolf is not good against it. I agree with you 100%. Uh, I shave zero Young Wolves in that matchup. It actually kind of sounds like you're shaving Young Wolf more than I am, if I had to guess. Yeah, I, I'm willing period. to shave one-ish on the play, but that's it. Okay. Oh, I... also, Grist, Grist is hugely important versus them, um, because it is an answer to Murktide. So if you can power out Halfling Grist, it wins a lot of games. Yeah, the, the problem where, like, they are legally obligated. Like, one of the issues is previously they could just kill all your threats and leave you with a bunch of ignobles and garbage. But, like, because Halfling mm-hmm. makes it very hard for them to answer your big threats that are expensive, uh, like, at least this is how I beat Yogmoth 
previously when I was playing Murktide before Halfling was like you just kind of decided whether the resource you cared about was their mana or their threats on a game by game basis mm -hmm. and got to exploit and now you you just can't do that because the halfling is like either their mana is important and you have to kill the halfling or their threats are important and the halfling makes it so you can't use counterspell on them and it's just all bad i agree with you um yeah it, it i mean also most of the games i've won with merc versus yog before either involve dress down or fury and one of those things is gone uh yeah and you don't really play dress down these days because it doesn't no. really help against anything except for amulet and there are better things to do in that matchup yep yeah it was kind of an anti-hammer card more than anything else mm -hmm. and that deck has sort of fallen off the face of the planet uh so the general idea of like the red attrition matchups being favored is good and that brings us to like weird combo of like the amulet matchup which is I've had, like, weirdly good experiences in that matchup, mm. but I don't think it's a good matchup. I have had bad experiences, and I believe it is bad game one. So, okay. I, I think just the fundamental problem is, uh, on average, especially if they win the die roll, I think they're just way faster than you are, and they can ignore a lot of the stuff you're doing. Uh that's not even to mention the fact that like later if the game goes long they can just like dried valakite you out later you know if you somehow didn't die to the titan but i a lot of the games i just have are just like oh they didn't mulligan they went saga amulet i'm dead on three everything's horrible you know yeah i think that that is a fundamental issue for game one but you can still steal games by assembling hapatra yagmoth I think my thing, game two, is that a lot of the lines that instantly kill you disappear because of how aggressively you're allowed to sideboard in answers to Amulet because they also cover Saga and Pride yep. in the matchup. And I don't know Agreed. if there's a fundamental way for them to sideboard out of that. And this also goes back to the, like, people just keep putting Curse Totem into decks where I just want to oh, kill their artifacts anyways. Yeah. And because once they're, they're hampered on that, like, you can win a decent number of games after they resolve a non-Amuleted Titan. So, do you want me to tell you a secret about Canister's latest Amulet Titan decks? Is this the stupid shit with Storm's Wrath or whatever? Yeah, but the, more to that point, he doesn't play Curse Totem because he understands that, and he just plays a bunch of red cards instead. Okay, well, I'm not gonna, you know, you're not gonna convince me on Storm's Wrath, but yes, I like all of that. Mm hmm Yeah. I, uh... Yeah, I don't think the matchup is good, but you are generally just trying to shatter all of their permanents that you're allowed to, including their lands with Fulminator, and then hopefully Yawgmoth steals one of the other games. Um, yeah, the the other reason I don't want to side in Chalice versus them, I know there are some Amulet players that side in Force of Vigor if they just see someone have Chalice in their sideboard. Like, I think it's bad to do that, but I don't know. P people do weird stuff all the time. Yeah. This is also sort of a weird spot where I am trimming on cauldrons, but like you cannot cut all of them because it's yep. really important to be able to loop your fulminators. Uh, like that is yep. a specific end game, but three is a lot in this matchup. Probably go down to two in this specific matchup. Uh, maybe even one. It, it kind of yeah. depends on what the rest of my board looks like. The, the good news is you just get to free roll cut all of your like big creatures and trim on grist. Like, 
I don't know what the exact correct number of grist in the matchup is, but it's probably like 2.2. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll see how my numbers shake out for that yeah. when I uh, finalize the list. Okay, what about Living End? Another, you know, we talked about it briefly with the yeah. Oliphants game one where like, I don't, you do what you can game one if they, you know, you're playing against it. But like, what, how are you approaching this out of the sideboard? So I think it's pretty obvious that you should, sh sh well, Solus Jailer and Chalice are definitely coming in. If I have scavenging news in my sideboard, I'm siding it in. Uh, I think just strategically speaking, it's just you need a hate card before they can living end, which makes the matchups really hard. Because even Court of Calling for a Jailer is not very fast. Like, suppose suppose for the sake of argument, you lose game one because that's normal. You win game two. Game three, even if you have Wall of Roots and Decord for Jailer on turn three, that may not be fast enough. You know, that's that's part of the fundamental issue. If if you expect them to just, you know, have Psychor, Psychor, Living End on three and have that kill you, which is going to kill you a reasonable amount of the time, it... That's what makes the matchup so hard, in in my opinion. Yeah, it, I mean, this is the classic living end issue where, like, even Dolphy Void yeah. Bunker on turn two is not enough a lot of the time. And this is why people have turned yep. to Chalice against that deck specifically. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of hate the Chalices, like, but I think it's just a necessary evil, is how I would put it. I think I'm only going to play two. Matt Nass wanted to play three, but my problem is... Even if you draw an opening can of multiple chalices, they don't do anything because you don't have any way to put the second one into play. And a lot of the people who have chalice answers just turn to Force of Vigor as their chalice answer anyways. So I'm not even sure what that would really accomplish, you know. Would uh, a Endurance, like an extra copy of Endurance, be better than the third? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be playing some number of Endurances for sure. Uh, I don't think... Uh, one thing that I see people do all the time, they side in Endurance versus Yawgmoth expecting to beat the Silver Bullet. I'm not convinced it does very much, really. Like, No, it's I, only like, I really do not think it does these days, especially as the deck is a much reduced... Yeah. Like, when are you supposed to fire it off? Like, they play a Cauldron and they activate exactly. it the first time? Uh, yeah, exactly. Your opponent, like, sacrifices their first undying creature to, like, start up a short combo turn and you just, like him to Torak yourself so that your opponent draws three cards instead of seven? Like, I, this doesn't sound great. No, so I I was advocating people in, in our area to stop siding in Endurance versus Yawgmoth unless they had a real specific plan in mind, which most of them didn't. They were just like, oh, Yawgmoth is a graveyard deck. I'm like, well, only sort of really, <laughs> you know? It's a deck that technically agrees that there's a graveyard it would like to use as resources some of the time. <laughs> like Murktide is yeah. more of a graveyard deck than this is. Oh, definitely agree because, I mean, it it has four unholy heat, four Murktide region, or I guess three to four Murktide region. You know. Yeah. And it, DRC. Yeah. And DRC. I forgot that. Yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad we agree. And like, <laughs> hard casting endurance versus Yog is just not as good as it is versus Murktide. Oh. Nice three mana, three, four flash with a lot of other words I don't care on it, really. Yeah. So, I I think the issue with living in is more figuring out how many cards you want to and can dedicate to the sideboard to beat it. Because mm -hmm. you are now back in the scrum of decks that don't have... And, like, you have some inherent plans to beat it, but not a ton. 
So you actually have to go out of your way to have a good matchup. I agree with you. Yeah. One one historical question. Was Yogg always not that good for swimming in? I can't oh, no, 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 no. It, it used to be totally... Like, before Oliphant and before the deck... This is a year ago at this point when the, the Yogg decks were playing, like, seven to eight undying creatures a year and a half ago or so. And okay. the, the Libyan deck didn't have Oliphant. The matchup was free from the Yogg side because what would happen Got basically it. every game is that... The living end player would produce creatures that could be chump blocked. The Yogg player would start the game off with two-ish undying creatures. Living end would go off. They'd just get stuff back and then cord up Yoggmoth and kill you. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So, the Oliphant changed a lot of the yeah. math. And then they would way. also just like have endurances in their sideboard and the game would end sure. that way too. Yep. So, I think one of the other big things about Yoggmoth is that a lot of the next decks in the metagame beyond like this top set of scary things are just really good matchups. Like you talk yep. about decks like Hammer or Scales, those are quite good matchups. Uh the Tron and Creativity matchups aren't great, but I think that they are not as bad as people would think they are. I agree with everything said there. I think there's a non-zero number of games where your creativity opponent taps out for creativity. Then you tap out for Yogg, and suddenly they're the ones under the gun instead. Yeah, it's also, like, I would hope the creativity less have gotten a little better with this, but, like, Bowmasters mm -hmm. is quite good against them. Like, it, it shuts off, like, yep. it, they just sort of die to Bowmasters shutting off a lot of their stuff, and Yogg is, like, one of the decks that's actually scary with Bowmasters in play, mm -hmm. as opposed to, like, the scam hands with Bowmasters, you're like, oh, well, it's not a scam hand, this is good. Um... Mm -hmm. I guess there's there's a weird set of decks sort of below that in the, like, Domain Zoo Boros Burn tier that I don't love the Yogg matchup against, but I don't really expect those to be huge players. This is kind of the weird thing about, like, the modern metagame right now, where, like, if you look, like, we got down to the point where we were talking about Living End, and I think everything past that is sort of a rounding error in terms of the metagame. Yeah. Things have really condensed to, like, those top decks are all approaching the, like, 10% of the metagame share. Yeah, I mean, it It was just clear from the RC results from basically both South America and Ghent that this is where we are. Um, if you want to do well in a tournament, you better have a good plan for the top three to five decks. Obviously, your plan can be just play one of those decks, most likely. But Jarvis, do you have a plan for when your opponent has Leyline, Cyan of Draco in play? Um... Yeah, side in my Force of Vigor and make them sad. But the Cyan has Hexproof, Jarvis. You can't do that. Oh, uh, well... It just Force goes Vigor, back they're... to being a 4-4 four, four flying with no text. Yeah, that... I was going to say Force of Vigor, their lane line first, I guess. And then, like, Grist, their other thing. Yeah, I... This is kind of, like... Again, I'm just looking at the Ghent metagame, and, like... By the time you get to a, like, fringe deck that I am... Like... We're talking about these, like, Mono Green Tron is under 3% of the metagame. Like, that's the point we're talking about these sort of scary matchups for uh, Yogg beyond just, like, how do you contend with the top X decks. Did you actually look at the decks from Hartford? I did, CG? and that was... It's noticeable that it was a, a worse weekend for Yogg than Ghent was, but I don't okay. really know how much that is, like... Those events are definitely more defined by player diff, it feels like. And I don't know how much mm -hmm. of that is like 
the player diff at Hartford for the Yog players was uh, a negative proposition. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it. I mean, I don't think that I would want to be on the Rakdo shadow side against Yogg. Like, I don't. I just do not think that the difference between that deck and Rakdo scam is going to make it. Like, it, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it lines up right. Uh, you, there's not enough trample effects in the world or in that deck list to fix it. Yep, agree with you. I mean, if you really wanted to do some stuff, you would play Tumor Battle Rage probably, but. Uh, I'm I don't not feel like you're allowed to in that deck. I mean, I think that card is not aged particularly well, but Tumor Battle Breach plus uh, Scourge of the Skyclaves is kind of messed up, though. Yeah, I mean, and also, you, like, you have Inti, but on some level, that's just, like, a creature that Yawgmoth can kill. I, right. I mean, there was the, the Teamer Prowess deck that popped up in the top eight of one of the events that yeah. I think would be, it's good against Yawgmoth, but also it's just, I think this is the deck you play if you think that every other player in the event is abandoning a Raghavan shell because of how bad it is against Yawgmoth, and therefore you get to play this. But even then, I don't even know if it's that good against Rhinos. Uh, I've played a lot of Prowess. I would say Rhinos is slightly unfavored really? for the deck. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that if Rhinos lets you get traction with, like, you know, one drop, two drop, then it's kind of easy to set up lethal on turn three or four from your side. So, like, basically, I'm relying on them not drawing Dead Gone or Fire Ice to kill my creatures, which they're going to a large portion of the time. And once that happens, I can just, like, spam all of my cantrips and kill them, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I think it is really... Uh, you are the goldfish, but I my experience from the Rhino side in that matchup is just, like, I just need to keep the hands that kill their small things and then they die. I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. It's definitely more of an uphill battle without Fury, but I feel like the Rhino's deck has all the agency. Of course, well, maybe they've so given what... that up by playing all three drops, but... A lot of that changed mostly because of the fact that that deck has like eight draw twos. A lot of the games I played where Rhinos only killed all my creatures, I just rebuilt, assuming they didn't have a Cascader. Like okay, quickly. so I you are describing a set again. This is the thing where like yeah, the, you aren't beating the hand that Yogmoth is ne- like. I understand yeah. that it's like okay, this is the subset of hands where they have interaction and threat. But I don't think you're forcing them to have anything beyond that. Uh, yes, yeah, probably true. So that's, I mean, if I thought Prowess was good, I would play it. Okay. Like, I'm kind of attracted to that sort of deck for, I don't really know why. I, I really couldn't tell you why I like that deck. Yeah, but I don't like that deck against a lot of the other stuff, right? So we're debating the Rhinos matchup. Obviously, you cannot beat Murktide with that deck because otherwise the deck would have oh. been the best deck in the format. So like, this is just historically I'll, the problem across the board. I'll tell you the problem with that Murktide matchup. It's, it's literally Murktide region. region. Yeah, yeah. It that's the biggest problem. I've tried a bunch of things to fix it. All the answers to that problem kind of suck. Is yeah, what I would say. Yeah. I think the best answer I found was actually seal of removal, and that's like mm, question that's... mark. What are we doing here? Because I, I was playing a Questing Druid Expressive Iteration deck. So, like, an unsummon you can just stick into play whenever you want was actually kind of valuable. Yeah. So, 
I guess beyond that, beyond those decks, where do you see potential exploits for the format? You know, we've kind of covered the gamut with Yawgmoth, but where do you yeah. see people potentially looking? If your answer is, I don't know, otherwise I would be playing it, that's fine. But has there been anything that's kind of caught your eye but fell a bit short in terms of answers to the format that aren't just play one of the best decks? So my thing that I wanted to try a lot, and I did try a lot, was CFT Sock did well in some of the challenges with Literal, Indomitable Creativity, plus Seismic Assault. So when you put those words together, it sounds really weird. Then you realize both mana bases just force you to play a lot of mountains, so it makes more sense. And Life from the Loam and Ren 6 do make both like card casting your big creatures a lot more appealing. And the fact that like, you know, those are just really good cards with uh Fable and the Mirror Breaker. Now, the the problem I ran into is I do not believe the way these decks are constructed, you can ever be good versus Cascade in general. And I think that's a huge deal breaker for them. Okay. That makes sense that Seismic Assault is a worse three drop than all of the other Cascade spells. Well, it wasn't even that. In the heads up, if both things resolved, I could actually usually win by killing all of their rhinos, then killing them. But the problem is, it doesn't always resolve after they make rhinos, and those are the games that are just impossible, you know? Like, yeah, it, it, it basically just requires... Oh, I also had the experience where they just force a vigor my Seismic Assault and stuff, then cast Violent Outburst. And I'm like, oh, this is bad for me in so many ways. So it, it's a lot of things like that. If I had figured out how to beat Rhinos with that deck, I probably would play it because I don't know if you ever played Seismic Assault versus the other half of the metagame. It's really, really, really good. Like the um, the uh, Yawgmoths, the Scams, the even like weirdly good for Samuel Titan, which is kind of funny to say. Uh, a lot of decks just cannot beat the card Seismic Assault is what I would say. I have been on the Yawgmoth side of this equation, and I just left the match. Like, I, <laughs> I... I I, mean, I played it out to the point that I was going to die, but, like, at some point you're like, this is... We're done. We can leave. We can be done with this. It's over. Oh, one thing I want to note is, I don't think Assault Loam itself is good enough. I think you actually do need the creativity angle. And the reason is people just love to side in, like, 9,000 hate cards, like, graveyard hate cards versus you. So you need the creativity angle to, like, keep them honest, essentially. Because if they just, like, have three ley lines, but they can't beat creativity for one turn four, that's why I think the hybridization of that deck made a lot of sense. You're not a fan of the Raghavan Tarmogoyf Urza Saga plan? Not really. I don't really understand, like, what... <laughs> that's not really a powerful plan. That's the issue I have with it. Yeah, I mean, it just, it, it's, it's bad bond. <laughs> yeah, you, you've just constructed Jun, but it has Life from the Woman's Seismic Assault, right? Yes. It, it's uh, it's Jun that's better at killing creatures, except for that's what Jun has always done for all of eternity. Whereas, like, if you put Seismic Assault in your creativity deck, that solves a lot of problems, because a lot of the times, the problem creativity have is actually being, like, full court pressed by someone, like, attacking you with a million creatures or whatever, you know? Uh, I believe that... I don't know if I would call all of 
creativity's problems that, especially because I think you specifically need to cast Loam on 2 into Assault on 3 to have the ammo to kill, like, a large number of aggressive creatures. But I think that having the other angle that doesn't involve, like, you are not trying to resolve a 4-mana sorcery and that be your entire choke point of your game. That's relying on other permanents. You actually have the ability to, like... As stupid as it sounds, the difference between a 3-mana sorcery and a 4-mana sorcery is pretty big. Yep. Yeah, because, like, th this is also, like, a classic thing of the Assault decks, is that when you are playing against interactive decks with Assault, often what happens is you cast the Assault on 3, and even if your opponent's stuff doesn't, like instantly all die that's the end of the game because they only have a set number of ways to potentially get it off the battlefield and like they have this exact window and if they didn't have it then you're just going to set up and the assault will take over the game as an engine yeah so the games i won playing versus rhinos in testing with the assault deck were i cast assault on three it didn't die i killed one of their rhinos because that's all i could do with my hand took six damage cast home that one resolved, then they were dead because all of their stuff was dead. And I would just dredge alone for the rest of the game drawing three shocks per turn. How how does Rhinos actually beat someone drawing three shocks per turn that costs zero mana? They don't. I don't think most decks actually beat that. Like I don't none of No All of the decks no, in the no, format no. Yeah. are like Like Amulet has a six six and it dies to three shocks, and then we can keep going from there. The, you it, can the other interesting that number of shocks with Amulet, but like you get the drill. It's well, like... the yeah, I think you could only really lose to like weird decks, like probably like Twiddlestorm. Probably can beat you by that point. Extremely underrated deck for what it's worth. I I agree with you. That's why I brought it up. Um, yeah, and also the other thing is a a lot of the decks that could be issues for you, you can solve those games post board with creativity into a different big creature if necessary. So that's that was one of the other really appealing things about the creativity deck. Yeah, I I still struggle to believe creativity on like a fundamental level is it feels like it's a tier below what everyone else is doing. Like everyone else's broken stuff costs mm -hmm. like a turn less than yours, but it's in mm -hmm. the right ballpark. Yeah, so I don't know. I I wish that deck was good. I just don't believe it's good enough, so I'm not playing it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, do you want to step outside the realm of modern into our nonsense of the week? Okay, hit okay. me up. So uh, Dom tried really hard to show up on this episode by winning a prelim with the uh, Pioneer prelim with basically the standard Legends deck, uh, except for instead okay. of Relic, it has Mox Amber. But we've seen enough of that in standard. It's kind of boring. A deck that we have not seen enough of in Standard, though, is the Sal the Thousand Moon Smithy deck. And that deck won a Pioneer Challenge this weekend. Uh, with some, like, really sort of Pioneer-only style nonsense going on, with it being a Yorion deck that also gets to Werv Invention. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this deck list yet, but it is an absolute delight. And I'm glad that something like this just every so often wins a Pioneer Tournament, because it's a format that randomly lets low-power things like this win. So I just clicked on the link you shared in the show notes, and A, I actually rec recognize his username uh, for legacy reasons. B, 
This person has one of the highest win rates in arena week weekend qualifiers for some reason. He just keeps qualifying for the Pro Tour via arena, even though like, I think his claim to fame was like basically inventing Esper Vile and Legacy. This so, looks like something someone who invented Esper Vile would make. Yeah, Featuring, exactly. Uh, That's Akal Pakal first among equals, the three mana one five that. Every turn, if an artifact ETB'd under your control, you get to... I don't want to say Sleight of Hand because the other one goes to your graveyard, but Sleight of Hand. Uh, I guess... Okay, yeah. I don't know. Graveyard Sleight of Hand. But yeah, yeah a lot of interesting... I think he played something like this in Pro Tour Phyrexia, if I recall correctly. It looked very close to this. His real name is Jeff Lynn, hence the JTL. That makes sense. I like the absurd amount of candy trails. I don't think that card is very good, but I just appreciate it showing up here. Um, I actually, True Hero also played this same deck in the same challenge and went 1-3 with some other minor stuff like there's an Urza in this and some Tezzeret Betrayer of Flesh. This is the, the Neon Dynasty one. But uh, it, this list is... I like the Chrome Host Seed Sharks that have shown up here as like a low ball threat that can... Your deck is a lot of bullshit, uh, and Chrome Host Seed Shark actually like gives you the pretense that like maybe you can end a game instead of just casting a bunch of Prophetic Prisms and Clay Fire Bricks or whatever. Well, the card I want to shout out the most in this deck is actually a Thousand's Moon Smithy. That card, once it gets going, kills really fast in this deck. Uh, because it's whenever you cast an artifact or a creature spell, create... The fake gnome soldier construct, whose power and toughness are equal to the number of artifacts and slash war creatures you control. Yeah, well, so it's, it's only when say you that spend seven times the fast. mana of the backside, so you only get one more a turn. But, like, how many Urza yeah. Saga constructs do you need to kill your opponent? Oh, in this deck, not that many, I think. No. Uh, like, <laughs> this is probably the best Thousand Moon Smithy deck I've ever seen in my life. And I, if y'all ever played that draft format... Wow, was that card really, really unfun to play against in that format. So it, it's just going to do that times a thousand here. Yeah, playing that draft format was a bad idea. So uh, be glad you sure. missed it. Unless you opened Thousand Moonsmithy in exactly the one draft you did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other things I really like about this deck is... Uh, so a call for call is gated to one per turn. But you can actually do it on your opponent's turn if you have a way to produce an instant speed artifact, which were of invention falls under. Yeah. I think there was another way I found oh it's cast an instant or cast a non creature spell, like counterspell one of their things, get a shark, you know, and really go off. Yeah, you also have spring loaded saw blades, like as a one of, but yeah. I believe yeah, True Heroes list had uh additional copies of that as an instant, you know this might be something that would have come up if you had played more of the bad draft format, but none of us have, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. Mm. I would say I played too much of that format, and True, that's, we'll leave at that. True Heroes list has Enigma Jewel, and um, we'll just we'll prevent anyone from having to read the text of that card. I don't think that card's very good in this deck, so we'll we'll prevent people from having to read it. But Jarvis, you can tap it to cast Word of Dimension. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think that about wraps it up for this week. Uh, thanks for stopping in, Jarvis. Uh, you want to let everyone mm -hmm. know where they can 
ask you questions about probably things that aren't Yawgmoth after this weekend. Fair enough. I'll probably be going back to a little bit of standard after this weekend. Um, maybe not streaming it, but definitely getting my uh, practice in for the, uh, I guess, 75k in Chicago. You're allowed to call it a called. Grand Prix. I mean, I okay. guess... I don't, a Grand Prix in the Chicago. I don't know. You can call it a Grand Prix unless you believe that uh, giving away the brand equity for free shouldn't be allowed, but you can call it a Grand Prix. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitch at JarvisU. Uh, Twitter, JKYU06, YouTube, DriverCU, and I'm pretty responsive on Twitter as long as you don't ask me some ridiculous question about silica, silica gel packets. Okay, so great. Ask him the real question first and use that as a lead-in to ask the question <laughs> about the do not eat gel packs, his favorite thing <laughs> in the world. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, thanks for stopping by. Uh, we'll be back here. Well, Jarvis probably won't be back here, but Dom and I will be back here next week, probably talking about um, what's going to be happening in Standard with the new set, which had, the time of this recording has been out for all of like six hours. I did get a match in. Uh, I learned absolutely nothing new. That's not a, that's a lie. I actually did learn something potentially new, but we'll save that for next week. Uh, until then, see you all.